The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling, here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco and Joe... uh, Last week, you, you had a little substitute uh, host, um, and uh, you also the, were the getting true the, the true boss of the Vegas bad boys, as he told me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I will agree to that a hundred percent. The the cog that makes the engine run for sure. Um, but you were also getting ready for uh, Future Shock, uh, which happened this past weekend. Um, what were your feelings? The, the turnout was great. Yeah, it, 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 it's great, but it's also sad sometimes because it's like these are nowhere near the cream of the crop of FSW. Right. But the younger kids, they, they, they get the hustle. And then there becomes a point where they stop the hustle. And I also get, you know, it's a different crowd, you know, future shock pack house. And, you know, Adrian rain made his debut. He sold 29 tickets. Well, odds are he won't sell 29 tickets the next time. And we've seen with RBJ and Fox and John trademark where they came out firing. But the key is, you know, future shock tickets are 20 and 15, but we allow the students to sell them for 10 bucks. And it's like, get some family and friends there. Get some people to support you. And we're going to have a show this Sunday that will probably be less attended that is loaded than a show featuring two-thirds of the roster that's probably had less than 10 matches. So if you're a wrestling fan, it's disappointing to me that the card we have this Sunday should – you know, pack a house. Yeah. But the future shocks traditionally have been the shows that have done the best because the cost isn't the highest. And even at $10 a ticket, when you're selling all the tickets, you know, you're making money right. on those shows. But then there comes a time where we've done future shocks to where guys who sold 10 tickets sold three and those who sold four sold none. And those who sold none continued to sell none. And the frustration is, dude, I'm not running another show for 14 people. Right. So future shock is the show that you guys want to keep it going. You need to all chip in, you know, there's six to eight guys, girls who have barely any matches. There's no reason why you can't get because in the past what we would do is, hey, you're responsible when we did 15 and 10 
It was like, you're going to get the tickets for seven bucks. I don't care if you sell them for 10 and you make $3 a head, but you need to sell five tickets if you want to be on the show. Right. And I would guarantee at least 40, 50 people in there because Joe ain't getting rich on 40 or 50 people and rich on a hundred people. So, but the thing is, it's like if all our staff and myself, and we're going to dedicate our time and effort to do it for 15 people is pointless. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also, I, I don't think, I don't think the, um, the concept is also, it, it doesn't sink in that you can go anywhere in the country to any small city and wrestle in front of five people. It's, you know, it's something that happens all the time. So happens in Vegas all the time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the idea here is when you're young and you're trying to get that experience, one of the things you have to start learning is how to respond to an actual crowd. And I think that playing a crowd is very important. It's something that you can get the basis of in a class, but until you're in front of 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 people, it doesn't really start sinking in. So when you have an opportunity to get people to a future shock, it benefits you as a performer because now you're a little less gun shy when you're coming out on a, a regular show, um, you know, or if you're going to Arizona or to LA or so, you, you're getting that experience of having a large, you know, a larger crowd so that you understand then how the psychology plays into a live event. Otherwise, you just pandemic it and just wrestle in front of chairs. I mean, in, in, you well, know. I'm going to give you another reason why it's beneficial because these are family and friends who are not really big wrestling fans. So right. they're going to be more forgiving. They're not going to look at something and say, oh, I fucked that up. Right. Family and friends. So if my family and friend comes and you're having a match, they're not going to be disrespectful. They don't understand that the wrestling fan is like, oh, that guy sucks. So, but they, they, they're there to support. So whether the match is good, bad, indifferent, it doesn't matter. The response is going to be different. Now, sure, you can look at it at the other end that they don't really know a lot of people. So the reactions are maybe toned down a little bit, but now you're working through it because they want to have fun. They want to go there and they're going to spend an hour and a half, two hours. And it's something new to them. And we know we've made new fans because of it, because in all honesty, watching it on TV and watching it up close is a different thing. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, well, I watched L.A. Night and this guy was a million times better than watching Matt Vandegrift. Well, no, it's not the truth because there's a lot of good wrestlers. Jay Vidal, Damian Drake, Matt Vandegrift, Gregory Sharp, Jacob Boston Young, all these guys work Future Shock. Kevin Cross did. Chris Bay did. And you're still seeing really good 
maybe at the beginning of their careers. And of course, they're going to get better. But you're going to see things that if you're a non-wrestling fan, watching a guy do a moonsault or doing a flip, it's kind of common in a, in, a, in a general show that you're going to watch. But these people have never seen it. It was kind of like when we did Natural Born Killers and it was geared more toward the MMA crowd. We opened the show with Ryan Couture against Dave Mazzani. And all he did was grab him and take him down. And it was a takedown. Okay. But the crowd popped huge because these were MMA fans. And that was a big move in wrestling, jujitsu, whatever it is. Right. And playing to the audience. So you have a lot more free reign as that new guy, if you show up on a casino show or you show up on high octane, the standards are higher. Yep. So it so if you shit the bed at Future Shock, as long as you do somewhat decently, because everybody's gonna fuck up and it's your first sure. match, of course you're gonna fuck up. And if you don't fuck up the first match, you'll fuck up the second or third. It's going to happen. It happens to the, the best of the best. So if you're a beginner, it's going to happen. But this gives you the opportunity, and it's friendly fire, because these people aren't looking to critique everything that's being done and happening. They're looking there to say, hey, Adrian Rain, who did very well. But did he screw some things up? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's going to be compared differently than if that match was the pre-show match of survival of the fittest at a casino. Right. And his family and friends are only going to remember, oh, shit, I can't believe he did that. And I can't believe he did that. And at the end of the day, he's going to have a big smile on his face. And in his head, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I fucked this up and I fucked that up. But I must have did all right because everybody is giving positive responses to what you did. And that's that's what these guys need to take out of it, that you're a beginner. You're not going to have the best matches. The idea is to get through it, do well, don't hurt anybody, but try to progress. And guys like RBJ and Fox and Trademark, when they've gotten that opportunity – and they started at the Battle Royal. So they didn't really do much. They sold some tickets. They got to be in a Battle Royal. Great. But because they didn't shit the bed and they didn't seem out of place, they got the opportunity. Hey, if you could be in a Battle Royal at the casino show, you're obviously going to be able to get a match at Future Shot. Okay. Right. Now it's the sink or swim. And all these guys have produced. They've done well. Yeah. Now, do they need to work on things? Sure. If you're content being a low-card guy, sure. But if you want to be the next Chris Bay, the next Ice Williams, the next Hammerstone, well, there's a there is so much more work. And, you know, initially these guys who may only have six, nine, 12 months in, yeah, I'm there, now could take a step back and like, wow, I got a lot more to do. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of people, well, you know, how many, how much, how, how long do you pay dues for it? Well, generally the dues continue to drop, but if you think at a year and a half that you're a professional wrestler, you know, when you're a professional wrestler, when you have a contract that says Impact Wrestling, AEW, WWE, 
that that's a professional wrestling contract. Not I got called and I got one match at AEW Dark where I got no intro and I got the shit beaten out of me for 45 seconds. And then was never invited back. The guy who sold his ass off and looked like a million bucks might get invited back. And that might lead to something. So there's such a growing process because there'd be it's Sin calls it the terrible teens, basically. That when you're almost in that two-year range, one to two years, it's like, yeah, you've been doing it for two years, but you probably didn't get a match till 12 months in. So now you're, you know, six to eight months into your pro wrestling career, you're still the baby. Yeah. And you still got a lot to learn. But now you're saying you think that because you got booked in a show in Arizona or California that you're there. And it's like, well... You're not there. You right. know, came up with some FSW guys. They needed a spot. FSW has a good reputation. Just like when the Arizona guys come up, hey, oh, I didn't realize he wasn't going to be there. Okay, Enrique Calderon. Okay, Damian Desire. You guys made your way out here, and I happen to have a spot. Go out there and, you know, do your thing. You know, we had a pre-show match. Uh, Father Marquis, he's a guy – I think out of Detroit, Kenny King worked with him a little. He was trained at the House of Truth. He was going to be in town. Kenny's like, hey, do me a favor if you got a spot. And it was like, hey, we might have a spot in the scramble. But then it was like, okay, uh, the Enrique Calderon kid from Arizona has gotten you know some good love a little bit. So let's put him in a singles match pre-show. Two smaller, you know, no limits type guys. Six minutes. You know, go out there and show what you got. And the minute when they went back, oh, you know, what'd you think? I go, to be honest with you, you guys didn't do a lot. Like, this is your showcase. You know, get going. Like, there's no urgency. It was just like cookie cutter. So it was fine. But if you're not an FSW trainee, I'm not looking at that match and say, oh, I got to bring these guys back. Right. You have yeah. to go out there. Number one, it's family and friends. Number two, the regulars that are there have no idea who you are. So get off to a hot start. Make people pay attention. You're the first match, so they're paying attention to begin with. And if you're going in there and you're locking up and you didn't, and you're doing stuff, and, and you're not doing much in the match because you want to build to something, that might not be the time to do that. Hero and Shogun could build a little bit. There, there, there's a story there. There's history. Right. Right. The FSW casino shows, Gregory Sharp and Jacob Austin Young can pace themselves. But when you're the new guy and there's 30 guys looking for the six spots – what are you going to do to make me want to put you in one of those six spots? And that's to go out there. And I'm not saying you got to go out there and start the match off and do a fucking 630 leg drop. You know what I mean? It's You just need to go out there and be exciting, be fast paced, you know, show, show some personality, make people want to get behind you, be vocal. And I didn't really see that. I just yeah. saw two guys that were like, okay, this is going to be the first time we've ever met each other. We're going to go out there and we're going to give them a match. And they gave them a match. And it was, again, it was okay. It wasn't like 
you know, where they fucked everything up and it was like, oh, what is, what is shit fast? They blew all these spots. No, but they did basic cookie cutter stuff that did nothing to bring the level up. Yeah, playing, playing it safe. Right. And it's like, that's not the time to do it. And the thing is, fans, we all, I've always joked, and it's like, you know, when we do our first match, and it's like, oh, man, Brandon G was over. And it's like, oh, man, Chase Bell was over. And it's like, it's the first match. If you go out there and you entertain them a bit, they're excited. The key is, at the end of the show, when the best wrestlers are on, that hopefully in the middle ground they weren't lost by the other matches. Right. Because if you see too much of the same thing, all of a sudden the two-hour shows up to three hours, people are just looking to go home. So right. you have a lot of work to do when you're the into the third hour, and now the, you kind of, the fans have been kind of lost, and you're in the main event, and you're hoping people aren't leaving because they've had enough for the day. And you have to go out there, and you got to get them going. And I read something that was pretty interesting. It was it was kind of, I think it was X-Pac. I'm not sure. But I remember reading, and they were talking about, and it, it may not have been him. And I was reading a lot about him last week. But it was talking about, you know, in the main event. Because I remember Rico back in the day would always be the semi-main, he would say. Because they would bring it down. Let's bring it down. We don't want to. We don't want to get to the main event on a high note. And I got that. But then it was ten years ago when I when I when I would talk with him when he was at the school doing that stuff, and it would lead into the main event. And for the first time, I was taught. I was listening, and it was talking about how it could have even been Conan about starting the main event off hot, get him back into the match. Get him back into the show because a lot of times the main event's going to go 20, 30 minutes right. and it's that slow build. And his philosophy was get him right back into it. Now you can bring it down and then, then take off again, but you got to get them enthralled. You got to get them back into the process. And, you know, that made a lot of sense to me. And it's also that same way of getting the shows off to a good start. You know, a lot of times, well, you know, the scramble or a hot title match to start the show. Man, I want people to be not having to wait to get into it. You know, they've been there for an hour, sat around, chatted with some friends. Now the show starts and nothing exciting is going on. You know, I love scrambles. It's all over the place. But that makes people pay attention. Right. And it's the process of putting the show together, not putting. I was just going to just going to say, because that kind of sticks out in my mind, too. That actually benefits as a promoter, not only you as making the card something that, um, you know, flows, flows better and, and brings that excitement beginning and close. But. Guys like Evandergriff, Jay Vidal, Damian Drake, those guys have that experience of knowing that feeling of opening a show hot 
so that it's an easier transition when they're doing a main event now. You know what I'm saying? Like you get that experience by doing the opening matches and, and realizing that feeling as well. So I think that sometimes it kind of gets lost on guys that, you know, what you feel in the first match, what you can get going, what you can tell story-wise is eventually going to benefit you when you're a main eventer. Everything is about the placement and, and, and the do. There's certain things that you shouldn't probably do in the opening match per se. Hey, let's do the ref bump to start the show off. Okay. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But right. what these guys need to do is that's how they grow into those roles. Right. We have a lot of guys who could be in the main event one day and they could open the show the next day. Right. And Back in the day, it'd be like, well, you got to know your role. You're in the first match. You're in the second match. Don't do anything too good. We don't want you to upstage us. Well, you're in the main event. These motherfuckers shouldn't be upstaging you because you're in the main event. You're a top guy. So being a top guy doesn't mean that you got to do more flips than the other guy. The top guy needs to be the guy that more people give a shit about and care about what's happening. So you're hoping you've told the story to make it matter. You know, you're not going to go watch Hammerstone and he's going to do a 450. No. Nightmare Pendulum is one of the most vicious looking finishes you're ever going to see in your life. So you have to understand placement. I always say go out there and kill it. Like the goal is especially at our level, you know, you you want tape. Well, if you're sending tape to Gabe in WWE and you've done absolutely nothing in the match and he hits you up, he's like, well, you know, I looked at your stuff, you know, basics. Yeah, you seem pretty good, but, you know, that was really, well, you know, it was the opening match. Well, then if you're not good enough to be in the main event, when are you going to do the cool stuff? When are you going to when are you going to get the crowd to care about you to become the mid-card guy, to become the main event guy? Right. You have to go out there and you have to show your best because you're also besides performing in front of the crowd, in front of Fight Plus, if your goal is to make it, you need to have the best footage possible to send to people to show you what you're capable of doing being a heel, being a face, having a personality, being able to talk on a microphone, being able to respond to somebody when Danny Limelight's roasting you on a mic. You know, hey, how do you react? Hey, wow, this guy, this guy's got something. You know, LA Knight was fodder for Bray Wyatt leading into their match. But because LA Knight who was not that popular in the WWE world, they saw, even though he was placed there for the big comeback for Bray at the time, people saw like, oh, shit, this guy's fucking good. And it wasn't because his drop toehold was better than somebody else's or his buster was fantastic. It was you could just see the confidence in his personality and in his character that 
we knew because we had seen it years ago, right. hoping that they would see it. And now I'm turning on Facebook and I'm watching LA Knight face off with the cinnamon toast crunch guy. And he's doing the Slim Jim. And now when they're advertising SmackDown holiday special, because it isn't going to be on TV at the MGM, featuring L.A. Knight. Yep. Well, it's not saying featuring Baron Corbin. That means L.A. Knight has kind of become somebody that they believe they can count on to help sell tickets because he took an opportunity that on the outside you were looking, ah, maximum male models. They're feeding them to Bray Wyatt. And it was like, he had this, made it this, made it that. And now sky's the limit. Now they're negotiating the big five-year contract where Six months ago, it was like, well, they're not really going to want to push the guy. He's 40 years old. Really? So you're not talking about a two-year contract. You're talking about a five-year contract. Yeah. Why? Because you feel there's value in doing it. WWE released a bunch of a bunch of people. And I saw, I saw, oh, I can't believe it. They kept the Baron Corbin. They released Dolph Ziggler. Well, Dolph was supposedly making a million a year, and Baron Corbin's probably making a fifth of it. So you're right. going to start trimming from the top. No matter right, wrong, or indifferent, should Dolph Ziggler have a job? Is he better than 90% of the, the wrestlers there? Yeah, but for whatever reason, you don't want to utilize him. So if you're not going to utilize him, you need to save money because yeah. that's what the plan is now. Our plan is we're going to save money. So high-priced guys, like in the past, when Heath Slater had a job for eight years, yet they didn't use him, they were content with doing that. Now it's time to trim the fat because it isn't about money. It isn't about, Hey, we, the bottom dollar because they went out and signed Jade Cargill for way more money than they probably would have had to two years ago. Right. And there's talk of other name guys. And if MJF's a free agent, they're going to throw, you know, the bank at them, but they're going to pay the money. But Dolph Ziggler wasn't being utilized. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of wrestlers who would be ecstatic with a million-dollar-a-year contract. Sure. Yeah. They're going to pay Cody a million a year. They're going to, they're going to boom, right to the top. Dolph had, at the time, I guess, they were afraid of losing him because it seemed like he was going to go, and then they offered him crazy money. Same thing with uh, Doc Gallows and, and Machine Gun. Right them back to what we understand big money contracts where they were content with New Japan and Impact but WWE said here and they're like oh great we'll get a big push we'll be with AJ and now they sit at home every every week and they get to work house shows but they're making a lot of money so those are the guys that if you don't feel why, why would you continue to pay them when you're probably paying pretty deadly or whatever they're called a tenth of their salary, but you're utilizing them on TV and you're not utilizing these guys. So you're going to keep a million dollar guy at home. When you have a hundred thousand dollar guy working on the shows, right? No, 
hey, we need to we need to chop fifty million, and then we'll bring back twenty five million. Okay, well, look at all these high end guys, and if you're making the minimum wage in WWE, well, if they think you have any potential, they'll give you a longer a rope than they will. You know that there's there's a few guys there that you look at and it's like. I don't know. It's getting a lot of money. Not seeing them on TV. Right. Because that's where WWE makes the money. If you're a guy who's just working house shows, you probably don't have many T-shirts to sell. Right. Yeah. Like, I remember one Godfather working with him. When he got hot, he made so much money on merch because he was in the venues. Right. The WWE shop is a much bigger deal than it was when he was wrestling, but it's still the pay-per-views and the live events and the Raws and the Smackdowns where you see crazy numbers of what's being sold. But shockingly, a lot of people don't realize that you probably can't get a Santos Escobar T-shirt unless you buy it online. Right. Because there's only so much room. And the reason L.A. Knight got the bump was because they put the shirts at the live venue because he was getting hot. And for a long time, he was one of their top sellers. And he's still one of their top sellers. But there was a time they were saying he was like the number one and number three. And one of the shirts was the worst I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I forgot what it was. It had it had some writing on it. And I'm like, yeah. wow, people buy this shirt. But they bought it because it was L.A. Knight. You know, it might have been, let me talk to you. Like, okay. There, there's nothing exciting about that shirt other than saying, I want to rep LA Knight. And if LA Knight was on NXT right now, doing what he was doing back then, they wouldn't have sold 10 of those shirts. Yeah. You know, now they're probably selling, you know, 500 at a live event. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, I, I noticed uh, this week, Dominic. Um, you talk about Judgment Day and how, you know, you had that feel like, well, maybe they're going to break those guys up, you know, a few months ago and whatnot, and how over as a heel Dominic has gotten. He had literally a different shirt on, I think, the last three or four shows that he's been on television. There's all these different shirts and they're utilizing that. And I think that, you know, you know, back in the day, you had the 316 shirt. And that's what you were pushing and selling. And it would sell like hotcakes until months down the line. You Well, then they'd have the skull and then they'd have something else. Yeah. But they knew to put, you know, they would push the, 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 the Austins and the Rocks. But those were the top two guys in the company. Right. The thing with Dominic is, you know. Last year, if you would have said who will be the top couple in yeah. WWE, and you would have to swear it's going to be Cross and Scarlet. That's a no-brainer. Yep. Who in their right mind would think, nah, I'm thinking Dominic Mysterio. And anybody. And anybody, <laughs> You know, I saw Dominic and it was like, I'll be honest with you. 
I met him. Nice guy. They came to the school with Ray. It was great. And this was when, you know, Dominic and Ray were on speaking terms. So, you know, and I talked with Dominic a little. And quiet dude, you know. But he was a guy that kind of bypassed a lot of people because he's a Mysterio. And nobody looked at Dominic Mysterio and said, man, this is a future champion. This guy's going to be this. And doing the thing with the dad was the best thing. And he got the heat and then he got the arrested and he knew jail time and, and, and having the mommy like the Eddie Guerrero and, and all that stuff, it just clicked and he took off. And again, there's never no rhyme or reason. Like why did LA Knight get so popular? Like, what did he do? But they felt, Hey, this is a guy we want to get behind. And Dominic's a guy that they want to get behind, that they want to see somebody kill this motherfucker. Yeah. And, you know, when he got involved with the mom, shit, it was like Bodie and Limelight with the mom getting involved and the daughter, you know, people go crazy for stuff like that. Yeah. And that's when you say, you know, as a pure wrestling fan, yeah, yeah, I guess you got AEW, you have your, your other stuff. But that's what WWE brings to the table. So now Dominic is one of the top heels in the company by far. And Judgment Day, when everybody was like, what the fuck are they doing? They got rid of Edge. Nobody cares about Finn Balor. Damian Priest ain't doing shit. Dominic wasn't even involved yet. Rhea was on the rise, but she was the only one. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, People care about Finn Balor finally. Like, he had disappeared after he got hurt when he won the title the first time, when he won the Universal. Then he got hurt, immediately gave it up, and he was just treading water for three years. And it was like, this guy's going to lead anything? Nobody gives a shit. And Damian Priest was, eh, you know, Ring of Honor guy. They gave him a little push early on. He's skyrocketed after he did the thing with Bad Bunny. And he also, and Joe, he, he also is a great example of the L.A. Knight factor where he's a 40-year-old guy who, you know, well, they're not going to push him because he's – that match made him what he is. It's, it's unbelievable. Right. And if he cashes in and he cashes in and wins, nobody's going to be stunned. Right. Like times that you're like, oh, I can't believe this guy's going to fucking win. But Damian Priest has now put himself in that spot. And as a faction, I'm I'm as interested in them because the bloodline's kind of fallen off, and and Jay's there, and you got Jimmy, and but the the bloodline is kind of lulling because Roman Reigns ain't around all the time either, so they're trying to keep that alive. But the Judgment Day is more interesting of what's going on because. Priest has the cash in the case. And now they also made him tag team champions, which was a good move. I, I think Owens, Zane, the pop was, was for them beating the Usos. Right. So you got that. And you got Ripley as the, as the, as the champion. And Dominic, smart move. They did it with Sepha, but then they kind of got rid of it. But they did that with the NXT. He went down, won the belt, and then never defended it. And a week later, they took it away, which was dumb. But having Dominic do it, now it gives 
other people, now they put Dragon Lee on TV. Right. How does Dragon Lee not just slide into the LWO? Because to me, he's better than all the guys on the rest of that uh, LWO. Yeah. So as much as we bitch about what WWE doesn't do, they're doing a lot of good things. And there's so much content of where they're going to do. So they just announced uh, Jimmy and Sefa against Cena. Well, if they beat Cena, who cares? It's two guys beating one. If Cena beats them, they buried him. Okay. Well, from what I heard, LA Knight was supposed to make the save at SmackDown and the worst time to get COVID. So they had to scrap it. So I'm looking for something to happen beforehand to turn it into a tag. And now we got two ex FSW champions in the main event of Fastlane working with John Cena. How crazy. The, the ex-UPW guy. So, you know, the, the connections are there, Joe. You, you guys are intertwined, UPW and FSW, you know, from the early 2000s hey, now, man. And he didn't train with us for a long time. But John Cena's former trainer, Tom Howard, was also a trainer at FSW for a little bit. Yep. Who's married to Zoe Stark. Who they jobbing out to uh, Nia Jax already. Get out of here. So she turned on Trish to lose like three matches in a row. What's the point? The the point is, is is that not their typical um, setup for that person eventually becoming a champion? Because it seems like they bring them up hot and then they bury them. And then that burying just shows that they can take it. They got a great attitude. They'll do anything, and then they elevate them, and then it's guys. Well, life. yeah, but if she turned on Trish, shouldn't Trish at least be the first one to beat her if they were going to do it? Sure. Instead of Shayna Baszler. But then again, what's Trish's? See, that's the, that. But that's also the problem I think sometimes with. You know, like, so what is Trish's actual contract situation in terms of appearances? And, you know, sometimes they ha- they cut these stories quick because of circumstance. I think we're going to Well, see- now there's no upside. There's no yeah. upside. So mm-hmm. is Trish not wrestling again? Okay, that's fine. So you had Zoe Lowe lay her out. But then you didn't give her. The comeback. Push. For laying out Trish because you had to lose two weeks in a row. Right. If Trish does come back now and beat Zoe Stark, who cares? Because she just lost two matches in a row, so it don't mean much. And the idea we thought for Trish and Lacey was, wow, they're giving Lacey the rub. Right. Trish on the way out's got to put over Lacey. You would, right. you know, in, in in reality, booking one hundred and one. That's they're together. Uh, right. The turn, then the one that's leaving, the veteran, the Hall of Famer on her way out. You know, yes. not many people get the edge treatment that if they leave, they're usually putting somebody over. Right. You know, that's tried and true. Right. And, you know, what's interesting too, in, in thinking of that too, I think what they're doing with the NXT. Um, you know, for instance, Becky, I, Tiffany Stratton, you just made her a star. 
like she lost the belt, looked so good in that match that this Extreme Rules is going to solidify her, and Stratton will be on the main roster within. She'll probably get the Royal Rumble appearance at least. At least Nia Jax needs wins. <laughs> and why is she not part of the bloodline at least? That would at least give her some reasoning, right? Yeah, I guess, you know, the other one's signed to Impact, so they can't use her. Maybe they're waiting for The Rock's daughter. I don't know. And then Roman Reigns. Oh, I could come up with a crazy angle. You put The Rock's daughter in. Things happen. The Rock gets upset with the way she's being mistreated. And then he goes after Roman. Yeah. Let me fight it. Um, so, you know, we're talking a lot of, there's a lot of good story, a lot of, you know, what's going on and, uh, some of the bigger, you know, some of the bigger names and, um, this Sunday you've got one of the best names coming in, in, in wrestling, uh, over the last, what, 15 years, I'd say that Jay Lethal has been. Probably one of the most entertaining and one of the best workers in in the business. Um, did, you, did you not get the memo? Jay Lethal's oh, not going to be there. Oh no! What happened? Uh, AEW got the call, even though he's not on the show. Oh, look man. today, I saw there's ten matches, ten matches announced, and he's not on it. Yet they pulled him from the show. Wow. Yeah, we posted it. I know you've been busy. Or maybe I'm just playing it up here so that anyone listening can... Uh, ah, there you go. It could be. I don't know. <laughs> um, so that brings the question. Um, what happens for you when you have to adjust when it's something like that? Um, and... Um, you know, is there a sense of, I, I don't want to say disappointment. Um, I know the disappointment is in the fact that, you know, you guys have wanted to work with Jay for a while, but um, is there a sense of just kind of that, you know, missed opportunity um, potentially, you know, to the point where he might not get a shot um, to work with you guys just based on his age and you know uh, circumstances um you know what do you mean he's younger than la Knight? <laughs> it's true that's true but you know you never know what what happens when you're you know 35 plus um but just that idea that you know the opportunity was there what would you know what would it be like if that opportunity never happens and um you know, and Jay's a good guy, so obviously, if he can make it up in the future, he would. Um, but you know, what does that do for you in terms of just having to just readjust things in your mind? Well, I guess it was easier because I kind of felt this was going to happen anyway. Like I was expecting, with the pay-per-view going on, that there would be a really, really good chance. I'm talking like 80-20 that he wouldn't be there. Yeah. So 
we probably was right in the decision to delay really the pumping out of Jay Lethal. Like we right. made the announcement, but we didn't go crazy about it. So needless to say, last week, which was still less than two weeks away, probably about 12 or 11, I'm like, all right, we're looking good at this point. Still got time. So I literally got Jake and everybody. We made the posts. We put it on the Twitter. We refocused about the seminar to the students. And literally within an hour, I got a text from Jay. And it was like, hey, Joe, I'm sorry, but I got the call. And I'm like, motherfucker. And then like now I look and I'm even more irritated because it's like they're not even wrestling. No. So you, you're telling somebody, no problem. You guys can do independence if you like also. Just clear, clear it with us. Okay. We're first priority. A thousand percent. Totally understand it. Oh, hey, guys. You can't work Friday even though we tape Rampage on Wednesday because we don't want to have it the illusion, even though most of the fans know it's not live and it's on tape. There's a lot of dumb fans. Well, I wouldn't say dumb. They're naive to the fact that Rampage isn't live. So we don't want somebody advertised here, yet they're on Rampage. Right. So you just can't work Fridays. Okay. Now it's, you're not even on the show on Sunday, but you can't work then either because we have a pay-per-view. Now... Are you throwing them in a random pre-show? Yeah, I guess it's possible. I don't know. But it's just like it's frustrating because we don't have that relationship with them the way the Fi does. Where, hey, we have to pull Eddie Kingston or Shane Strickland, but we'll send you Christopher Daniels because we because you book 30 of our guys all the time. Because I hit up Sanjay and I'm like, hey, you know, what what would it take for us to kind of get that working relationship with AEW? He goes, well, to be honest with you, the five just booked a lot of our guys. And being that Christopher Daniels is part of the creative process with the talent in AEW, the five had him. He was their champ. So he's he's their gateway to bringing in Shane Strickland, who's now working for them all the time and all of a sudden he's on a friday show because they gave him the okay because they have that working relationship or pwg when they run which isn't very often but daniel garcia is their champ and two-thirds of the roster is aew guys right and shockingly not the young bucks who basically put together that whole pwg deal with aew so you can only do what you can only do. So we, in turn, where I was, I was stacking the card because Jay Lethal's going to be there. More eyes are going to be on us on Fight Plus for sure. So I felt this was the time to pull the trigger and Hero and Shogun. And, you know, Limelight was working. Hey, him and Damian Drake. I didn't know the backstory because it happened in another show where Damian Drake set separated the shoulder of Danny Limelight. But that's a good one-on-one match. Damian Drake coming off a big loss against a rookie. Where's yeah. he go? 
You know, uh, I got a commitment for October 29th. The tag titles will be defended by Royce and Jarrell. So who's going to get the opportunity? Well, I put together a four-way tag. The regulators who I miss, I misread something. Somehow it, it was weird. So I got a message from EJ Sparks, and it was a thumbs up for the day. So I was assuming it was for the day. And then when I checked back, because I got a message from Thug, Nificent, he was like, yeah, we can't make that date. And I'm like, the fuck? And then I went back and looked, and the message from EJ Sparks was from October of 2022. So I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, I didn't send him a message. I sent them a message. And then right. you scroll down your messages, and there was one from EJ. So how did it pop up? when he hadn't made a response since the year before. So right now we have Fresco and Watson, the former champs, Sky High, and the Billionaire Boys Club of Jordan Cruz and Devin Reno. And right now we're talking with numerous teams to fill the fourth slot. You know, we're trying to bring in, you know, a big name team, or we're going to use some homegrown talent and, and give two guys an opportunity. And, in that match. Sure. So that's that's a good match. Then I got an intergender six-person tag. It was like, okay, I got where are we going with this? And I decided, you know, I really enjoyed either scrambles or the six-man. So since we have a four-way tag match, I don't want to do a four-way scramble. So I put together a six-person tag. And I got Bodie. Matt Vandergriff and Brittany Brooks, you know, all part of the future legends right there, you yep. know, and they're going to take on who I think is approved immensely and become one of the, you know, top female workers coming up, Zamaya. Yep. Uh, Jordan Oasis, you know, he's been at the Anoki, he's been at the New Japan Dojo training now. Yep. You know, he's a guy who, who puts it all out. He's been working, you saw, you know, he'll travel to work do extra work for WWE. You know, he trained up at uh, Buddy Wayne's school. He went to Rikishi's school. He went to our school. He's going to New Japan. So he's putting in the work and the and the effort to get there. And yep. Chris Nasty. So that's a, an exciting six-person tag. Funny Bone's going to be on the show. Uh, Jacob Austin Young, he uh, wants to have a title defense. So right now there's, you know, who's available? So he's going to uh, offer up an, an open challenge. And I believe he's looking to take on somebody who has never uh, been a champion in FSW. So, you know, we got that going on. Uh, Rochelle Riveter is going to be on the show with Moz. So the big guns are there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and now that Jay Lethal's not going to be, well, you know what? It's still a really good show that's happening at the FSW Arena. Right. The prices are the same, so it's 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 a glorified, it's another, you know, super high octane. Right. And, you know, we can't change the name Lethal Consequences now. It's already been out there. So, you know, we have a great show on Sunday. So hopefully uh, we'll get a good turnout despite the fact that Jay Lethal's not there. You know, I always have hope. You know, contracts don't last forever. 
you know, I, I I've been disappointed with what they've done with Jay and AEW, but yeah. well, that's my opinion. You know, I everybody's got opinions. You know, I saw, you know, there uh, Wardlow. Here was a guy who got over. It looked like he was going to become a, 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 a not a secondary champion, even though they they gave him the belt five times to lose it after one defense. Pointless. And then Tony Khan's like, oh, yeah, we have big plans for him. And it's like, how many times are you going to stop and start a guy? But you could say that about 30 different guys from the Miros to the Jay Lethals to Christian to Brian Cage to Jungle Boy, you know, to all these guys, Big Cass. Big Cass is doing some of his best work yeah. and impact. He really opened my eyes like, man, I want to get this guy on my show. And yeah. then he started with AEW and whatever. Yeah. So I always thought in my in my mind, hey, you know, especially in sports, you can never have enough talent. Right. Well, in wrestling, you can because there's only so many spots. But it's the truth in football. So – if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you got Pat Mahomes, what is trading for Tom Brady going to do? Right. You can play one of them. Right. You know, and in AEW, the Kenny Omegas and the Bucks, they're always going to have a spot. But even their guy, Adam Page, was kind of lost in the shuffle for a long time. And Adam Cole, it's like, he hurt his, broke his ankle. He's out again. He got a concussion. He was out for a long time. And it's a horrible thing. But when it comes to booking and being creative and putting shows together, it's another less person that we you have to focus on. You know, it's like we try to – we're different. We only run a couple of shows. So as independent wrestlers, you're relying – and it ain't a lot of an income, but you're relying on an income. And if you're an FSW guy, whatever it is, if we're doing three shows and you're a main guy, you're probably on at least two of them and sometimes all three. And then we try, but we have so much good talent that we got to cycle in, cycle out. Jay Vidal, hey, you know, I'm available. I'm like, well, we got stuff booked up, unfortunately. We don't have a match for you, Jay. And, you know... Guys like Chris Bay and Ice were into, were were the immediate thoughts of who Jay Lethal was going to work. Well, right. this is more of a special attraction doing the impact. You know, we'll save him for a different show. But now I got to figure something out for Ice for October 14th because he's not wrestling on October 1st. He's our heavyweight champion. I'm not going to leave him off the shows just and, do, and just do promos till the end of November when we have uh, the luck of the draw. So right. he's going to wrestle. And, you know, so Gregory Sharp, for example, one of the his longest reigning reign of terror was probably a good 15, 16 months. And it's like, you know what? He lost the title. No need to rush him right back in. Not that we even talked. It was like my philosophy was, OK, let's give him a couple shows off. Same thing with Hammerstone. Now right. we put him back in situations because now we have big guns that are available to us 
at any time. And a guy like Cody got hurt. Well, Cody was a mainstay in, on a lot of shows. Well, now it's like, okay, it's one less spot that it's like, oh, what am I going to have Cody do? Right. It's generally a thought process because he's on a show. So when him and Jake broke up, it was kind of hard because now you had, instead of one match, you had yeah, to find two. Yep. When it was tough enough to find only eight matches before. But right. these are mainstays who've been with us from the very beginning. And these are, you know, if you name FSW's top 15, top 10, those guys are probably in it. Yeah. So why are you leaving them off? Hey, Jay Vidal's available even though he's on impact. Why would I leave him off? Danny Limelight's available. Why would I leave him off? And, you know, having too much talent is a very difficult process. And I'm proud of that fact because most of the too much talent are guys that were trained at FSW. Yeah. Oh, you got Hero and Shogun, two homegrown talents. Limelight and Damian Drake, Damian Drake, Bodie, Matt Vandegrift. Those are those are two other guys on the show. You know, the tag matches, Sky High involved. Fresco and Watson. Watson trained in Arizona, came here and, and continued to train. Ice. So, ice, you know. Yeah. Ice. Braxton, no limits champion. He wrestled on the last show, not going to wrestle on this show. Kenny, FSW guy. So there's so many guys. Cody, Jacob Austin Young, Brett the Threat, hasn't been around in a while, was focusing a little on MMA. Okay. It ain't like, oh, shit, now what the fuck we're going to do? Right. It's, it's more like, okay, cool, take care of your stuff because it gives us a little more room to fluctuate. You know, we kind of just brought back Graves. Had him off for a while. You know, Remy. Douglas, Douglas oh, James is now. State. Douglas James is now. And now he's going to be wrestling class at, yeah. at the uh, his first one-on-one -on -one match in FSW in over three and a half years. Yeah. So it, it, it's just crazy when you think because there's guys who we like and – you know, supposedly guys like uh, Anthony Katina, uh, somebody else, I forgot who it was offhand now, that they're all moving to Vegas. And these are talented individuals. And I'm not going to be like, hey, sorry, class Devin Reno, Kevin Koa, Blair Brody, who look at Blair Brody. He's in a good spot. Things, uh, things came together, and now it, it's been a struggle to get him in matches. Right. Because there's just so much there. But I'm not going to be like, hey, we're not using you anymore because we're using that guy. So right. it's like, how do you make it work? And then you got guys that are really rising quickly like the Foxes and RBJs and things like that where you're seeing that younger talent. You know, Chase Bell did commentary because, you know, I wasn't aware he was available. Because one time I tried booking, he's like, oh, I wasn't available. Well, that's why when I post for Future Shock, it's your job to let me know you're available. You right. show up, it's great. Our most popular wrestler, possibly, Jimmy Jack. Wrestled on the last show, but there's not a spot in this show. You know, it is what it is. Right. And now it's like, okay, now even though we got the first coming up, I'm focusing on the 14th. Like, hey, who's available here? Where are we going? 
Uh, can you do this night? Like already, I know Viva Van will be here the 14th. So she'll be defending. And Braxton will be defending. And maybe Ice will be defending. And it's like, okay, well, that's three matches already. Now, where are we going with this? Who are we going with that? You know, what's happening as we're setting up things for, you know, the Rumble show in November? And it's like, it's tough when you're kind of on the outside, lower lower card, lower mid card, that I try to get as many people on as I can. But again, I'm not no longer doing 10 matches in a pre-show. And I'm not doing the eight-man tag and a six-person scramble just to throw the greenies, the younger talent, on the shows. Right. You know, there's more to learn if you can work a singles match. That's why you saw at Future Shock a lot of singles matches. Right. Yep. And, you know, you can do a tag, but you're going to – but I'm not doing inexperienced guys in six-way scrambles. Because right. it's really difficult as it is, so it's like okay, I got trademark a singles match, and and I got that guy a singles match, and Braxton got to work trademark, and Fox got to work Damian Drake, and RBJ got, to, and Adrian Rain got to wrestle a singles match. So, and then when we had Fresco and Watson, they wrestled, they wrestled a tag against two guys who hadn't tagged before that I'm aware of. Uh, as I like to call the killer D's, Davian and Demir, Davion and Demir. Yeah. So it's it's trying to work all these younger guys in just to make things happen because they need opportunity. Because if I don't give them opportunity as the school they come from, now right. they can't. To Arizona, they can't get to California. What do you got? Oh, I've never wrestled before. Where do you right. train? FSW. Well, how come you're not wrestling at FSW? I know they have student shows. Oh, well, I'm not ready yet. Well, if you're not ready yet, why the fuck would I book you? But if you show up on Future Shock and you've done relatively well, people know that the training is going to be good. You got Kenny. You got you got Chris Bay now gets involved. You know, you got Sin Bodhi. You got Remy. You got Cody. Those guys have all good reputations. Yeah. So you're going to get opportunities. And a lot of those guys, and it's the same thing. Oh, where'd you train? Oh, we trained with Dom and Gallo and Hammerstone. So when those guys hit me up, if a spot's available, they're generally going to be the first ones to get it because they probably also showed up three times just to be around and help. Uh, the Jake Goldie guy who I got him, he worked uh, Big Fonz, who I got him the match because he was extremely helpful at the Silverton. Big dude, six foot four, you know, yeah. 290, whatever. And he hit me up, and I'm like, hey, I don't think I got a spot. He's like, that's okay. Something comes up, let me know, but I'll be there anyway. So they're not trying to take the easy route. Hey, I'd like to be booked on your show. I hear great things about FSW. Let me know when you can book me while these go up. And so now they've jumped, they've jumped the gun. They jumped the shark. They're ahead of everybody else that right. just send me an email. And then all of a sudden, if Hammerstone says, yeah, he's pretty good. Okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's you know, it's it's definitely a um, an embarrassment of riches is I think the term. It's just amazing. Um, yeah, again, you know, if we did a top ten, it would be crazy. Like I would just be like, man, who wouldn't be in the top ten of like say the no limits division? You know, you right. throw out names. You got a Bodie. You got a Vandegrift. You got a Damian Drake. You got a Danny Limelight. You know, Jay Vidal. You a Jordan Cruz, a Jay Vidal, and a Douglas James, and Braxton's the champ. And that's to say that there's other guys in the faction. You know, Nevada State, and you got a Graves, and where's Chris Bay, and you got Limelight for that, and you look at our core group, it, it, it's crazy. Like, I'm really looking to do a 10-woman a rumble at the luck of the draw and the winner wrestles Viva. If she's still the champ, obviously she's probably got one more match. Yeah. But the thing is, trying to fill in because a rumble, a 30-man 30, 30 rumble is going to take a minimum of 45 minutes. Right close to an hour so that takes up three matches already and then the winner gets the title match so that's already you're already at four matches possibly five you don't want to go over because those shows have gone long right so there's only room for three more matches to now do a women's match and a women's rumble that only leaves one match well right. what about the tag champs what about the nevada state champ what about the no limits champ so none of those people are going to be on the card. That's hard to do. So it, it becomes intriguing enough because you also want 10 women that are capable of winning. You know, right. I don't want I don't want three women that are training at the school for three months to just throw them in a match for the biggest prize in, in the women's division. So, you know, everything's got to work. And it's also scheduling right now. As I said, we've, we've, we've held the 19th and we've held the 26th. And unfortunately, WrestleCon weekend is November 26th. Right. So I saw Maserati was on that show. And I said, hey, the idea was for Rochelle to be on that show. Well, I got Rochelle booked at the WrestleCon. Oops, she's off the show. Then... I saw Brittany Brooks put her schedule for October. So she's doing our show the first, but she's not available for our show the 14th and 29th. I'm like, hey, I got the 19th of November or 26th. I need you on that show. She's like, well, I'm booked on the 26th. Guess where? At WrestleCon. So now they're out for the 26th. Right. Mostly everybody else is good that I've talked to, our champions, things like that. Then I go to the 19th and, you know, one of our greatest champions of all time, Hammerstone, you want him on our casino shows right now. He's scheduled to work the 19th, but he's available the 26th. So now I got to see who's available. Now also it's Thanksgiving weekend going back to the thing, you know, the bullet club want to be back to wrestle Royce and Jarrell. 
if everything worked out at the Halloween show and Royce and Jarrell were the champions, I'd love to have that one that match. But then I looked for flights, and since it's Thanksgiving weekend, eight Boston's flights on the twenty sixth is eight hundred and ninety seven dollars. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? So no disrespect, but I can't afford that. So the nineteenth is a better date for that match to happen. But now I got to go back to the 10 other people who gave me the 26th is good to find out if the 19th is good. <laughs> Did you, do you ever think Joe just like splitting it into like WrestleMania two day? Uh, that, just... We could do that two week, two week difference. Yes. <laughs> the only thing is silver nuggets, not going to give us the same price combined right. and then pay twice. You know, at least when we did the anniversary, it was the first time back, so we did the two-night show. And it was great because we did the Rumble on Saturday. And we did the winner of the Rumble on Sunday. So it was cool. We had EC3, and he was there both nights. And, you know, and the finish fell flat. I thought it was a great finish. But it didn't work out too well. But things worked out at the end, and, and everything was good. But, you know, besides the air conditioning issues and things like that. But the problem is a show doesn't work in November of 2023. It yeah. worked because it was the first show back from a pandemic. People are wrestling hungry. We combined against all odds with the anniversary show. So now there was 12 matches, minimum. Yeah. And one was an hour-long rumble. So there wasn't room for anything else. Right. So what do we do? Well, we got to combine it to two nights. And you gotta, you're interested in both nights because you got this happening this night, but you got this happening that night. Right. And, and so, unfortunately, a two-night thing at a casino – there, there's there's just too much to account for and and cost wise and being at a casino so the so the prices have to be a little bit more you know you can't do hey we're gonna you know buy one get the other half price right. because you still got to pay wrestler a if he's working both nights you got to pay him for both nights it ain't you know it isn't the days of discounts anymore because in the past, Sunday was usually a dead day. So you get a booking once a month, if you're lucky, twice a month on Sunday. So you're cool with working for less. But our wrestlers already work for a discount at the, at the school shows. To now say, hey, I need you to work for the discount at the casino show, that's not something I want to get in with. Because... I don't want to have heat with them. I've right. told them this makes me look bad, but then I don't want to be angry because it's like, oh, this motherfucker don't want to work for less. There's going to be less people there, but, 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 you know, and it becomes a whole big issue. You know, right. I try, I tried to understand both sides, even though I'm on one side and I try to understand and, and I get it and I understand how it is. And 
for some people it works and for some people it don't and for the people that don't well you don't really see them around fsw yeah the ones that are willing to do that you know is great you know there was a big thing if you watch the wrestlers i didn't watch it but they were talking about james storm and uh he worked for a show and, and you know pricing came out the biggest the biggest thing wrestlers don't want me to say and they say it all the time but they probably say it to 10 different promoters because they work for that price but it's like hey don't tell anybody i'm working for this price and i get it because the thing is i know guys that'll work for this and they'll work for this and they'll work for this and they'll work for this if they know you really well they probably just say hey i'll work for this right don't know you this is their rate this is what they want to get they don't know who you are this is what they're gunning for they might work their way down to there but they're never working for this for you in most cases right well james storms came out james storm came out and people were up in arms which i don't understand that he worked for six hundred dollars he put the price out i'm not gonna yeah, it was it was six hundred. Six hundred dollars for OVW, who were in the middle of filming a documentary. The show was, I believe, on a Thursday, where you're probably getting one booking every five months on a Thursday. Right. He knows Al Snow well. He probably could drive because I think he's from Kentucky right. or Tennessee, and he's going to Kentucky, so it's a couple hour drive. Sell some shirts, whatever. It's James Storm. Not a huge crowd going to be there. But I don't know what people are thinking James Storm should be charging. Right. You know, 600 bucks. Probably gas covered. Probably a hotel room that night. Well, then that's the equivalent of 800 bucks. Right. Well, in WWE, if you made $1,000 a show and you worked 200 shows you made 200 grand that right. sounds pretty good now you made 200 grand but you had to pay for your car rental and you had to pay for your hotel we won't count food because you got to pay for it both ways. okay right. so out of that 200,000 let's just knock off 20 percent for that now you're at 160,000. Now through WWE, you're getting taxes taken out. Right. Generally on indie shows, it's the wrestler to declare. Right. Now, if you're working for a bigger company, they're going to put everything, you're going to 1099 you. Well, you work a random show here, a random show there, whatever you're getting, you're getting. It's no fucking secret. So take some more money off of that. So now you're talking 130,000. Well, you break it down, that's probably less than 500 a match. Right. He's doing it on a Thursday. So who's right. to say he's not getting 1,000 or 1,500 on Fridays or Saturdays? Yep. It's like zero plus zero equals fucking zero yeah 600 plus 600 is 1200 
When you got to pay your bills, would you rather have 1200 or fucking zero? And the problem is it's these wrestling fans who are the ones who are going crazy about it. You give a fuck what somebody's making. Yep. If CM Punk was able to get Tony Khan to give him $2 million a year, there you go. It's no different in the music world. There's no different when you want to go to a concert and you're like, well, you want to go see U2 at the Sphere, and they're doing 20 shows. So there's no way they're selling out 20,000 seats in 20 shows in a matter of two months. But the cheapest ticket's $400. You can bitch all you want. I don't bitch. I want to see it. But I ain't paying 400 to see it. Right. It yep. is what it is. You, you, you make your choice. Yep. And wrestlers are going to go for what they're going to do. And obviously, the name wrestlers have a name. And it's funny. You know, I got hit up by Chris Bay about a recently released rest who is on the West coast. And it was like, Hey, you know, he wanted to see about using the facility. Same thing. Like, uh, Davari's brother, he lives in town free reign for any of those guys who want to use our facility. And I was like, Hey, you know, he'd be interested in, in working. And it's like, well, you know, give him the info, but you got to understand WWE guys and they get released they're gunning for the big dollars because they only have a small frame of time to make the big dollars. Right. So what seems way out of line for me that I would never pay when you, a lot of these guys, that's why they stay on the East coast a lot, the Northeast Florida, because the conventions are there. There's a lot more people right. in the surrounding cities than in Vegas. You know, we're not expecting a bump because Jay Lethal's there because people from Gene, Nevada or Pahrump or, or, or Prim are making their way out. But if you have a show in Jersey and you're bringing in Elias, there might be a good amount of people who want to pay 30 bucks for an autographed picture of Elias. Right. But you also got to understand, coming from New York and Connecticut and Pennsylvania, it's only an hour and a half drive. Right. Yeah. And it's an hour and a half drive for 30 million people. Yeah. For us, it's a five-hour drive from Vegas <laughs> to try to hit a big town like Phoenix or Salt Lake or L.A. or any of those places. Yeah, for us to get 20 million potential people – they got to drive. They got to travel a minimum of five to seven hours one way. So it's easier for the name guy who's been in WWE to make X amount of dollars in Chicago, in Detroit, in New York, and, and all along the East Coast. So that becomes the issue. Unless you're a major superstar, like a Matt Hardy was, and the thing with Matt was he just wanted to be booked. So he gave a number that was far better than he should have given people. Right. But he also knew that he had his Matt Hardy website that he'd make thousands of dollars a month from. He also knew 
that he would bring a suitcase full of shirts and merch and have his wife there who he'd buy her plane ticket if she wasn't on the show in most cases because he didn't care because now he had his wife with him but he also had the person who handled the business and she can handle the business let me tell you you know play around you know this is a business yeah you want a picture with matt buy a fucking shirt but he would sell multiple 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 shirts so he would take his money could he have made another 500 or a thousand a show sure but at the price he got he was booked every friday and saturday and probably most sundays right so you're talking 10 times a month matt hart was booked and when you're selling 500 800 a thousand dollars in merchandise because he was People would go online and be like bashing them like, oh, boy, you really hit the fucking bottom of the barrel working the indie shows. And it's like this motherfucker is probably making more money than he was in WWE working two and a half times a fucking week. And he's still and he's still getting he's still getting any kind of royalties coming in from merchandise that's still in their shop. And it's like. It's, it's a different world. You know, yeah. there's guys who walk in, you know, hey, we want to book Sting. Well, it's 20 grand. People do it because I see Sting booked. 20 so wait, grand. Wait, 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 money wait, back. wait, Joe. You know, Sting is coming for the ToyCon in April. It was just announced. It, are you hinting that you might be booking Sting for April? I have no shot of booking Sting. <laughs> For anyway, any day, <laughs> you know, same thing with Ric Flair. Yeah, it's great. We yeah. had, I'll tell you a story. I may have told it before years ago. I don't remember. Okay, so we go to do the show in Mesquite, okay? And Chris, Christy, who uh, was running Samsound, was friends with Kid Vegas' father. So she would check out a show here and there. She was running the entertainment at Samstown. She got us in. That's when we had the initial greatest deal ever. We got into Samstown free of charge. We had a drink guarantee, okay, of $3,000. So they were guaranteed $3,000. Some days we would do it. Some days we wouldn't. You know, if we didn't, they made us cover $300. I remember it was $2,700. I'm like, well, I'm not going to give you $300. Give me $300 fucking dollars worth of beer at least and let the guys drink. Or, or whatever. Right. So, needless to say, Gary took over at Samstown and Christy went to uh, Casablanca and Mesquite. And she's like, hey, we want to do a show. I'm like, okay, well, this is how it works here. You know, we don't really have the market. Uh, we'd have to sell you the show, basically. And this is what we can do we can do it for X amount of dollars. And then if you want name people, and here's a listing of people that we can have that we have access to. So they have people that up in the upper ends that were kind of wrestling fans. So they pitched Kevin Nash and Eugene, and we had Kendrick in London, and we gave them a number. Kenny King, John Morrison, and 
And they were like, yeah, these are the guys we want. I'm like, okay. Put out the number. They're like, okay. And it was a lot. It was it was in the teen thousands. It was, it was probably about $15,000. Okay. It wasn't 15000 and we made ten on the deal. It was fifteen, and we made, you know, a few grand. Right. Because between Kevin Nash and John Morrison, you know, that was close to ten grand right there. Yeah. So we did the show. Might have been 17. I don't know. We probably we, we probably profited whatever three or four grand from putting on this show, let's just say. But they're like, "What about Hulk Hogan?" I'm like, "Hulk Hogan, motherfucker's gonna want a fortune." And you got to remember, this was what ten years ago, nine years ago. Well, we're, sorry, fourteen years ago. We've been in business fourteen years, so eleven years ago. So there was no cancel Hulk. There was no issues with Hulk. Right. So somehow I did my work. I found Hulk Hogan's lawyer. So hit him up. Hey, we're doing a show. Blah, blah, blah. We're doing it with a casino. They were interested in having Hulk come down, obviously not wrestle, just to do an appearance and signing. Forty thousand dollars. Jesus. Forty thousand. So I haven't talked to Mesquite yet, and I'm like forty thousand. Okay. So if you sign two autographs a minute, that's thirty seconds. You know, you could go, but there's people that come up to you with the picture. So it's got to take at least thirty seconds because right. people want to say hello, hello, Hulk, big fan, blah 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 blah. That's two a minute. Okay. Right. Let's say you charged a hundred bucks. Okay. hundred bucks. So that's $200 per minute. minute. Okay. So 10 minutes is $2,000. A hundred minutes is $20,000, right? Yeah. So 200 minutes is your 40,000. He has to sign nonstop for three and a half hours for you to get your 40,000 back. <laughs> it, it's, it's basically unreasonable to happen. Right. Now, if you want them there because you think you're going to get people to come in and they were happy, you know, we did decent. We did 500 people there. But I'm pretty sure the gate didn't reach their 17,000. But they had people from Utah that were that were whales, as they like to say, right. that they helicoptered in into the show and they spent the weekend because they were big fans of Kevin Nash. Yeah. So it was worth them to pay Kevin Nash five grand to show up, to even though them. the gate didn't make it. Yeah. Because all they wanted was people to come in to gamble. Yeah. And it's just like doing a show. How many shows bring in their money? Uh, you know, the comedy clubs, the maybe not the concerts, but the but the the regular shows where yeah. you're paying people a few grand to perform and you're hoping those hundred people 
show up and then stick around and, and, and put money in the machines. But at 40 grand, that's a hundred dollars. Okay. So can you sell more at 60? Yeah. Can you sell more at 80? Are you pricing people out at a hundred dollars a picture? I think you are. So if you're doing two a minute, 200, 400, you know, that, that is a lot. Yeah. Wow, I should have did it easier. 40 times 100. Oh, well. <laughs> but, you know, but that's the thing. So 400 pictures. So at 400 pictures, man, yeah. you're expecting a lot of people on a show that you're only going to get five or 600 people. Are 400 of them going to buy the fucking autograph? Right. No. Because the problem is, are you doing the signing at the event or are you doing the signing in a ballroom three hours beforehand? So that way people who don't want to come to the show can still get the order. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's feasible because now you could start at two o'clock. But, you know, I know like I saw with The Undertaker, it was like it was for two or three hours. So you either made your money or you did it. Right. Like, hey, Undertaker, we got uh, 235 more people. Okay, well, that'll be that'll be 20,000 an hour if I'm doing two hours for 40. It ain't uh, you get five hours for 40. Right. So, yeah. So 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 it's crazy. It, it's like everything is based off that kind of like what they did with the strike. Well, maybe. Maybe everybody else would make more money if you didn't have to pay the main actor thirty million. But he's not gonna do it for fifteen million. He ain't gonna do it and say, Hey, you know what? Our budget for talent is fifty million. But you're getting thirty-five of it, and the supporting actor is getting this. So instead of spreading out eight million to everybody else. Now we're only splitting out four million, which breaks down to them only getting four hundred a day. Well, maybe if they got seven hundred a day, there wouldn't have been a strike. Because yeah. you know, there's there there are tons of movies that lose millions, but you're still getting paid what you're supposed to pay. Paid. How many bombs have some of the biggest actors in the world made? Yeah. They didn't get back that thirty million. Yeah. So you know, everybody. Everybody kind of looks at it one way, and then some, you know, sometimes you look at it as like the baseball strikes and the football strikes. Oh, I can't believe it. Tom Brady's making 30 million, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, you know, generally the strike isn't about Tom Brady. It's about that lower end guy. It's about the pension. It's about what you're getting after the fact and all the things. Right. And the worst thing that ever happened is that social media because people go on Twitter, and no matter what it is, a million people are going to be like, that's bullshit. It sucks. It's garbage. It's the worst thing ever. Our country's going downhill. Blah, 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 blah. Then you take the opposite, the total opposite. And then you got the other million people. It's the worst fucking thing. It's bullshit. I'm leaving this country. Bah, 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 bah. And the problem is 25 years ago, nobody paid attention to it because 
you'd only hear it here and there. Right. Now it's everywhere. Right. I'm seeing people turning off. Oh, this player turned off his social media because he was lambasted because Aaron Rodgers is out for the year now. And they're going to send him death threats. He fucking sacked the quarterback. Like, or, or the guy who accidentally kicked the goal. And I get it in Iran or, you know, one of those countries. Right, right. And he kicked the goal or the goalie gave up the goal and they, they want to murder the guy. That's death sentence. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it is yeah. a miserable world we live in thanks to Facebook, Twitter. Well, everyone, remember, follow FSW social media at... Yes. <laughs> but it's just the other stuff. Like, I, I, there's so many of the newer students like, hey, you got Facebook? No, I got Instagram. I'm like, yeah, but we have a we have a fan page. If you could just got the Facebook, just to go to the notifications from the fan, uh, from not the fan page. I'm sorry, from the student page. Yeah. So you're aware of things that are going on, because I understand. I scroll down Facebook, and every day you're irritated by something. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the cost of trying to do business and getting people. And the thing is, it's like, oh, you know, how many times you can send out a flyer or a poster? And it's like, you know what? Posting it on the FSW page, most of our fans, either they know about the show right, or they don't. It ain't because they found it on the Facebook page. So, right. yeah, a lot of times I got to take the people and put them on the fan page, but I got to send them direct messages because just because somebody's on the fan page doesn't mean they're checking out any notifications. And you got to really hustle to get these people to come to the show. And that's why we, you know, implore, if you're on the show, share the fucking flyer. Not because it's a make or break thing. It's just because it's a better chance for somebody to see it. I've seen stuff and it's like, oh, shit, that was his birthday. And it's a friend of mine who I'd say happy birthday to, but I didn't see it. Right. Or. Hey, I just want to thank everybody for my birthday wishes, except for you, you prick Joe DeFalco. You know what I mean? I didn't respond. And, you know, my birthday was two days ago, and they wished me a big happy birthday because you don't see it all the time. Right. So, and and that's for me who is on there every day because yeah. I have notifications set because I'm sending out, hey, are you available this day or whatever? Imagine people who aren't getting notifications. It's yeah. all in passing. So because it's so shitty. Yeah. No, it's it's you know it 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 is now how it works in terms of brand and selling. And that's you know, that's something that um is ever evolving too. Um, which is kind of scary too, because at what point you know, is the um, is it going to become the fact that they capitalize eventually on making you pay to post things? Essentially, you know. Well, that that's what uh, Elon Musk is claiming soon that people are going to have to pay to be on Twitter. Yeah. So. 
interesting times. Um, let's uh, remind everyone uh, Sunday is uh, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. start time. Uh, lethal consequences. It would have been at five. We thought we had the thing going on with the seminar. So didn't really want to, but now we're at 6 p.m., so we're not going to change it. We have a great show. Uh, best friends, former tag team champions, Hero and Shogun. Uh, for the first time, we're going to go at it one-on-one, -on -one, MK in Hero's Corner. Uh, that is a fact. Uh, Damian Drake and Danny Limelight. First time ever one-on-one -on -one match between them. Uh, Six-person tag. Matt Vandegrift, the young prodigy Bodie, and Brittany Brooks uh, taking on Zamaya, Jordan Oasis, and Chris Nasty, who trying to solidify that spot in FSW. Another really good talent. Just yeah. kind of a hard time finding a groove for him. We got a four-way tag with the Billionaire Boys Club and Fresco and Watson and Sky High. Uh, Jacob Austin Young, the Nevada State Champion, will be there. The Faction will be there. Douglas James' first singles match in three and a half years in FSW, his second ever in three and a half years. And he goes one one with class. So, you know, Rochelle Riveter, Funny Bone. You know, the card's stacked. We got we got a great show in store. Uh, make sure you join us. Six o'clock. Tickets available on Eventbrite, and of course they're always available at the door. And if you're not out here. Fight Plus, catch it on Fight Plus. Uh, Fight Plus. So, yes, all right, they, they got it right this time. Yeah, thankfully. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. Until next week, have a great one, and we'll see you then.